Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. All right, David Jones. A late April Blue White Breakdown podcast time with Davy Jones. David Jones. We have a couple things we wanted to get to, including the draft and something Dave just wrote related to one Aaron Rodgers who's headed to the Big Apple. But I just thought for the Penn State fans, Dave, um, you were at the blue-white game, and we're not going to rehash that 10 nothing thriller. But <laughs> As long as we're going to get into this, what did you think of the flow of the game? The fact that it was, it was so quick, I, I loved it. Naturally, Dave, the fact that a lot of Penn State fans were like, oh, Drew Aller, he started so slow. Like, what? what is this? I'm like, listen, man, I said to Johnny, I said, Johnny, there's a real good chance that the three best players in that game are all on the white team and they all play defense. Like, they were all playing defense, yeah. Yeah, and so it's actually a good thing, I think, because Penn State's defense is going to be uh, pretty nasty. But I want to talk about one guy you noticed who I think is going to be one of the next big things for Penn State on defense. I'm going to talk about Deny Dennis Sutton, but and I told you I didn't really want to talk that much about blue-white, but now I kind of do because I want to know, you're good at this. You're going to, good at telling people to pump the brakes and cool off and everything's going to be fine. Mm-hmm. But that offense looked so far behind, and it always does at this time of year, and it probably will even the first week of the season. It does across the board, almost every place. But what did you think of the, how far ahead the defense was of the offense? It had been that way, I think, all throughout spring. And I think one of the biggest issues for spring for Penn State's offense was that I think a lot of players were either not full participants in spring or they were limited. Like when, they, when you only have two scholarship running backs – on on the roster and they're both thousand yard backs they're not going to do a lot in the spring he didn't they didn't play in the blue white game their top two tight ends were very limited theo johnson tyler warren they are taking they are they are really being careful with olu fashanu to get him healthy get him ready and i think he is for the first game because he's a future probably a future first round pick so you take all those guys out of the offense you you, you take out there's no more Mitchell Tinsley. There's, you know, Parker Washington was hurt. There's no more Parker. Like, who did who did the fans want Drew Aller to tee it up with? I mean, like, who? <laughs> who I mean, there was really just not a lot. And he he was nervous, but then he got better. He made some big time throws at some point playing against air. But this defense was flying around the field on both sides, like flying around the field. And this is if you're a Penn State fan after you saw them. After you saw them give up 40-plus to Michigan and 40-plus to Ohio State, maybe that's a good thing, that the defense is finally ready to go a little bit more toe-to-toe with the two teams you really got to chase in the Big Ten. And I think that they are there, and a big reason why is deny. And, Dave, I know you are not in denial about Dennis Sutton. Am I right? Who are you, Jim Nance? (laughs) 
<laughs> he's a he is a he is a I haven't seen too many guys like him at Penn State playing that position that young. Yeah, not only that. Well, you know, Micah Parsons was very easy to talk to right away. LeVar Arrington, very easy to talk to right away. And this kid is the same way. It's almost they, like they have a certain poise that comes from knowing how good they are. Comfortable yet, in the spotlight. Comfortable yeah, in the spotlight. Yeah, comfortable in the spotlight, but also without being showy about it or arrogant, just very comfortable. And he was very happy to talk, uh, but also did something that not too many kids do. When you're, when you're on, and he's 19, he's going to be 19 all this season, came out of the McDonough School. I don't know what they do at the McDonough School in Maryland. How many guys is this? Four or five now, and they're all yeah, Curtis Jacobs, PJ Mustafer, I think Devon Ellis. I mean, it's it's basically a preparatory school. I think it's a boarding school, and it kind of gets them ready. And pre- yeah, preparatory is the word because these kids are ready mm-hmm. in every way, and I'm I, I'm sure they school them and book them up on how to deal with media. Uh, I, I'm sure they've. I mean, they, they take all their cues. I think from the the big place down in Florida. Are you talking about IMG? IMG, yeah, which is an all-encompassing preparatory school. Uh, He was like that during his interview. And one thing that kids like that do, even at 19, and I taught my son to do this uh, in any sort of formal situation, is when you're talking to somebody, look them in the eye. And when you're done talking, then listen to what they're saying and look at them when they're talking. It's very easy and kind of hard uh, at the same time for kids that age. They're a little self-conscious. They're, they've got cameras pointed at them. It can be difficult for kids. Not uh, deny Dennis Sutton. He was very, very comfortable with uh, cameras around him. Uh, and he was looking at the people asking questions and trying to understand. I mean, you could see his eyes kind of move trying to process exactly what they meant and how to respond. Uh, Most kids in that situation, they're just worried about what they're going to say. And sometimes they don't even listen exactly to what you're saying. They've already clicked into uh, response mode, which is what a lot of them are taught, I'm sure, from Penn State about how to say nothing well. He didn't necessarily do that. In fact, when I asked him about his He's, he's from way down in southern Delaware, and I didn't even know exactly where. Uh, Millsboro, Delaware. You know where that is? <laughs> Delaware. What's Delaware? Like 15 square miles? And I don't You're know doing Wayne's I, World. I didn't know they even had a southern part of Delaware. Ah, contraire, Bob Flounders. Delaware is a very complex state. It is the first state. You know that, right? I do know that. There's a certain that. arrogance about it. Hey, somebody's got to be first. Uh, well, Millsboro is is very different than, say, Wilmington, which is very close to where I live, or even Dover, which is a little farther down. Millsboro is like the eastern shore of Maryland. And you get down in there, and I know what that's like. I mean, it's, 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 it's like Salisbury, Maryland, down in there. I, and, and I said, what's, what's, what's down there? I didn't know he was from way down there. I said, what's it known for? He goes, chicken farms, coops. <laughs> which you know he said it with some a little bit of humor in his voice like yeah i'm from the, I'm from the sticks and he didn't care he didn't care what anyone thought which is cool i like that out of a kid so that was funny and i know you wrote something on pen live uh, that, that 
I think you, it came up on the 15th. That was the day of the game. You guys can check it out if you haven't had a chance to see it. I know it's been two weeks and think we've moved on, but I just think uh, we're going to be talking about this kid if he stays healthy quite a bit for the remainder of his career. And this this defense is really – the fact that they were able to keep Manny Diaz around for a second year with these guys – Penn State fans, Dave, saw last year what he can do with talented players that can do multiple things. And I think he's got about four or five of them on this defense that he's just going to, it's just going to be, they're not going to be perfect, but they're definitely going to be a problem. I especially considering Ohio State's reloading at some key positions and Michigan, while they're a good team, you know, I think that if you can, you can get them in a certain situation, I think they're very vulnerable. I don't think they're a play from behind team at all as Penn State has found out last fall. But I just don't see much of a gap between those three teams going into the fall. No, I don't either. And I, I, I'll tell you this. If Penn State can get Aller and whoever his targets end up being up and running quickly yep. and get through those first two games, through Illinois, West Virginia, Illinois, Iowa, unscathed, I mean, you win however you have to win in those games. And they could all be low scoring. Just win however you, you have to. They can get through that and get Aller comfortable and establish that the offensive line can block both for him and those those really good running backs. And now they've got a kid from Minnesota who will be a good third back for him. That defense could really make a difference in a year when I think Ohio State is not just reloading but questioning their method. And you're you're getting them at a vulnerable time. Everyone kind of assumed that they were going to get Michigan next year, get revenge in Columbus, and the same damn thing happened in their own backyard, in their own backyard in the shoe. And I think that could really throw them sideways for a little bit. Then Michigan, everyone assumed they were going to power through Texas Christian, and they did not. I mean, they blew that game. And J.J. McCarthy did not play well. He did not. I mean, he was a lot of the reason that they didn't didn't win that game. And, you know, they had to be kicking themselves when they saw TCU get just smoked 65-7 to by Georgia, and yet Ohio State gave Georgia all they could handle. If they beat Ohio State, we could have been in this game. And they, they got to be just kicking themselves. And yet, J.J. McCarthy, the replacement to Cade McNamara, uh, who's now at Iowa, uh, was a lot of the reason throwing those two pick sixes that they lost that game. He's got to be questioning himself. So I, I think you've got Michigan and Ohio State in kind of uniquely vulnerable positions where if, if there's going to be a time where Penn State can do this, 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 this might be it. I think you're right. This could be the next two years with those runners, with Abdul Carter, with Denai Dennis Sutton, with Drew Aller. This could be... You know, they still got to do it on the field, but this this team is in a good spot, uh, really. And it, it's taken a decade, but, I mean, it, it, it was a tough <laughs> hill to climb. And I think I think maybe some Penn State fans thought they were there in 2016 and 2017. It didn't work out, but... Oh, I think I think we've seen a depth of recruiting this, build this up. This team, yeah. I think, yeah. is a better version, is a better is a better all-around team. And let, let's see how it plays out. But I, I agree with you, Dave. I'm looking forward to watching number... 33. I wanted to ask you before we talked about a column you wrote uh, about uh, the one and only Aaron Rodgers. I wanted to just ask you real quickly um, about the draft. And uh, 
of all the guys that Penn State's got there, Joey Porter's going to be the first Penn State defensive back ever drafted in the first round. That's history making. But of the guys that are draft eligible, who was your favorite to watch? Whether it, I'm sure you're not going to say Juice Scruggs, but I know you like Parker Washington. I also know, know you like watching Jair Brown play. Um, is there a guy that you enjoyed the most and a guy that you think is, is really going to be a better player? In the pros than he was. I would say I would say Jair Brown. Tick Brown was a very aggressive safety. He was almost like an Iowa safety, uh, a kid who was always around the ball and did things where you knew he was paying attention. He he wasn't always reacting to stuff. He saw stuff ahead of time, uh, and that's why he got a lot of his big plays. Why he got the, the interception in the Rose Bowl, uh, a lot of big plays. All over the field. I'd say last year he was he was my favorite guy of, of all those guys. Yeah, yeah. Also, really good guy to interview. Um, he's just as he he is another guy that was comfortable at Penn State throughout the year, um, and they're not always like that coming from a junior college, you know. I, and he came from Trenton. He did not have the same preparatory experience that the McDonough kids did. But Jair, what do you got against Trenton? Uh, Trenton, you got something against Trenton? Uh, not, no, not, nothing against it. I'm just saying that I don't know that I don't know that I equate Trenton and McDonough uh, <laughs> as far as preparing, but he's, he, he's a guy that very comfortable in the spotlight, whether it was in an interview or in the game. I mean, you know, he made a lot of big plays for Penn state. Uh, and that's something that they didn't really have before he was, he was the safety. So they're going to miss him. I'll be curious to see how far he or where he goes. I'd like to see him land somewhere in the third round, if possible. I think a guy that was really um, – I like Juice Scruggs, but I think a guy that will be a better pro is going to be Brenton Strange, the tight end, because I do think he's one of the few tight ends um, that can play athletically, but he also will – he will try and take your head off in the run game if he gets a chance. And I, I do think there are some NFL teams that really value that because – in this day and age, Dave, everyone, a, a lot of the tight ends are about the same, 6'5", 250, and want no part of physical contact. So, Are you talking about uh, Mike Jasicki? Oh, <coughs> how about, how about, uh, but how about he's, he's reunited with Trace McSorley in New England? How about that? They're both Patriots. What about that, my man? Huh? How about that? Do you think Bill O'Brien's going to put up with just him not blocking? That's, where, that's my question. <laughs> How's that going to go? How's that going to go in the film room? Well, isn't this what we've asked for? Because everyone wants specialists. No one wants three down players anymore, do they? Uh, I just want to know how Mike is a kind of guy that like, I mean, he's a he's a he's another great guy to interview. But I don't know how many times Mike Kosicki's ever been yelled at in his life. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to I'm going to say it's going to get a little different from him up in New England. I think I think Trace wants to be coached hard. I'm not sure how Mike's going to react the first time he misses a block or doesn't run a route right, and either Bill, both Bills might get after his butt. So I, that should be fun for him. Oh, Belichick, he he kind of strikes me the kind of guy who would say in a meeting he 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 wouldn't yell at all. He would just say, you know, that's that's if you can't do better than that, we're going to have to go in another direction, <laughs> something like that. You know, I, do you think Belichick ever raises his voice? He it just. But I mean, I know that he's famous for call, he'll call anyone out in the middle of a in the middle of a team meeting if they don't get the job done and just completely undress them. I know he'll do yeah, that. Yeah, but but with a with a calm voice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just telling you, if that's as good as you got, that's not the way we do it around here. I'm just telling you. 
Like, <laughs> just telling you, that's not what we're looking for here, all right? That's, that's like Sid Gilman. Yes. Sid Gilman going, get him out of there. He has no hands. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that Bretton Strange, I, you know, I'm, I, when he had his pro day up at Penn State and all those guys worked out, it wasn't a coincidence that the one guy, there was one head coach up there. He had a long talk with Brenton Strange. It was Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins coach. Mike, Mike McDaniel's run game is really predicated on the tight end being able to block. That's the reason why Mike Kosicki is no longer a Dolphin. And, that, and you know, Mike McDaniel's used to George Kittle and, and having a fullback at San Francisco to make that running game work. And I think, I think he's got a, a player in Brenton Strange that can do a little bit of a fullback thing and a little bit of a tight end thing. And I would not be surprised if the Dolphins take him. Penn State has kind of been tight end you, hasn't it? A lot of Penn State tight ends. Yeah, and I mean, if if Brenneman doesn't hurt his knee, he would have been another one. You know, Zach Kuntz is now he's he's going to get drafted. He he went down to Old Dominion with Ricky Ronnie, but you got Brenton Strange. Um, They got two guys on the roster now that I think are going to get drafted in in Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, and they do have a a bunch of them in in the uh, in the system that they really like too. So they've seen the light. And uh, I think two tight end sets are, are going to be more of a component of Penn State offenses moving forward. Plus, it helps them in the running game. I mean, it, it kind of unlocks the running game for them. The one play in the Rose Bowl, the, fir- the first touchdown that Singleton scored yeah. on from, where was it, the five? Yeah. And that was two tight ends. Yeah. And it was a full house. It was a, it was a Woody Hayes robust tee for Christ's yeah. sake. Yeah, that was their go-to short yardage formation, and I, I think they liked that. And sometimes – uh, Yersich would shift out of it into all directions, but then he just kept it the way it, it was. It was it looked like Paul Horning uh, going through the the B gap, like, the right. Yeah, Jim Taylor actually going through the right B gap. Uh, it just opened up. It was power. It was sheer power, and uh, Utah couldn't deal with it. I'm not so sure that I've ever seen pound for pound a tougher running back than Jim Taylor. Because I don't know what he weighed, but he did not. He, if he weighed two hundred pounds, he barely, he barely got there. And he played. He played. He was a mean son of a gun. And just watching all those highlights of the Packers in the in the mid sixties, he was really, really. Now, what did Jim Taylor and Tom Maddy have in common as far as after a play? <laughs> they both did a certain thing after a play. They itched up their pants. No. <laughs> That could that could be true too. But if anyone got any chippy with him at all, they would get up and get in the guy's face. If if somebody was pile jumping and got in there late, yeah. they would be right up and and in the guy's face right away. They're kind of both kind of red asses. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I remember Maddie and Johnny Sample getting into it. In oh Super yeah. Bowl, yeah. I think it was Super Bowl three, and Sample just got him so irritated. Uh, and it, <laughs> I mean, they should have. I mean, they they should have won that game. They didn't, but they just had them flummoxed. Tom Maddy never got over that. Yeah, he's an Ohio State grad, so I've I've, he just I've heard. Passed away, I think I believe. I've, yeah, I've heard stories that even after they won Super Bowl five two years later, it just wasn't satisfying for him. He he hated the fact that they lost that game. Yeah, I mean, he hated it, and he had a good game. He wasn't the problem. He had that long. Uh, Long run after was that after a catch or yeah. went Number all the way forty one right Number forty one yeah, yeah yeah had a long run in that Jets game and then I don't know if he fumbled at the end of it or what but I mean it was This is the blue white breakdown.
Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. Dave, speaking of the Jets, speaking of Johnny and Oh, what? It's another transition. I love You are Jim Nance. There. Penn State fans probably are as annoyed with Aaron Rodgers as Packer fans are just because he's an annoying guy. But now he's the New York Jets problem. And you did a nice little uh, – you, you actually said, you know, this is not anything that's new historically where someone – With your help. With your help, I might add. A little bit. But you yeah, didn't have yeah. George Bland in there, and that upset me. But um, you, did look, you did look at the history of uh, successful quarterbacks in their early to mid-30s, mid-30s, kind of finishing up somewhere else with mixed results. And uh, this is really the, the question, like how good can the Jets be with – uh, Aaron Rodgers, and what is Aaron Rodgers' mindset going to be like going to the fishbowl that is New York and trying to deal? I with think that? I think it's a lot easier now with the new quarterback protecting rules that we have these days than say it was. I mean, I read back, I did some research on this, and there was no more incongruous uh, reboot than John Unitas in San Diego. Was there? It's exactly. He was 50, like, he was, he was almost 40 when he did that. Didn't exactly he? Exactly 50 years ago. And I Jeez. think he was exactly 40. Yeah. And he grew up in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, he just was not ready for this. And it was almost like a PR stunt with who, who was that crazy owner that owned the chargers and they were Gene Klein. Was it Gene? Gene Klein? Klein? <laughs> wow. Wow, where did you pour that on? Yeah. I don't mess around with early NFL stuff. It was like a PR stunt almost. And Harlan Zvare is the coach. John Hadle was a young Dan Fouts, too. Yes, and John Hadle has just ejected for the Rams. We're number 21. Uh, yes, I almost could have put him in there. That that would have been maybe yeah, a guy. You could have. Um, and, and it's a mess. And they're smoking dope in the... And back in the uh, locker room, and John just John's just gotten his hair done in the dry look, by the way. And he had he had had a a butch cut, crew cut before <laughs> that with butch wax on it. So he thinks he's getting in the groove. And then there's the famous story of him walking into a, a back tunnel of the clubhouse or something, and having smelling this funny smell. And there a bunch of guys back there smoking dope. So it just didn't fit at all. They they had to play the defending NFC champion Redskins in their first game, and they just got smoked 38-0. Chris Hamburger. Yeah. They they came back and actually beat the Bills somehow, which was a ascending team at that point and was going to make the playoffs in yep. 73 with O.J. Simpson. Big year. And then the next week they went to – I think they played the Bengals and lost. So they're one and two, and then they go to Pittsburgh. You go to John Unitas's hometown. Yeah, you play one of the nastiest up-and-coming defenses. They couldn't play offense at all, but the Steelers. That defense was young and mean, and Mean Joe Green was still young. That was a nasty, nasty defense. And as a Bengals fan back then, I remember it. And John Unitas just got destroyed in that game, and that was physically handled the the offensive line and just just poured in on it. And it had to be really sad. There's probably some people who remember that game 50 years ago. But he was two of nine, and they pulled him in the second quarter. He was just getting 
getting the crap kicked out of him, like Y.A. Tittle at the end with the Bears. That stuff doesn't happen anymore because the, the rules protect quarterbacks so uh, they're, they're almost in cocoon. Yeah, right. Rodgers has been in a cocoon in another way, <laughs> is in that, that he has had this soft-serve Green Bay media yeah. for 18 years. Now he's going to go into this cauldron right. in New York City. He's notoriously prickly and temperamental. How is that going to work? I, I'm, I, just, I just wonder. Nancy yeah. Armour wrote a really good little column about that. Um, she's from Chicago, AP. And I didn't think of that until she said it, but she's been around Rodgers for a long time now. And she doesn't think it's going to end well. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he just is uh, a guy that uh, I don't think he actually is ever really he, – he doesn't seem very comfortable in his own skin, Dave. And I, I mean that. I like, you know, he's, he's had issues, I think, with his family. I, he's had issues. He's just a, a different kind of guy. When he, when he wants to play football, there's been few quarterbacks who have been better. He's going to have a great number one receiver and uh, Garrett Wilson to throw to. Brees Hall back off the injury. But really, I think it's about his buy-in. It's about, it's about his, you know, how much does he really want to put up with it for a full season uh, when the microscope is much, much, much more magnified. You know, Brett Favre was kind of a cheerleader, um, a kind of a – a guy that other players gravitated around, right? So when he was 15, younger, yeah. When he was younger, fifteen years ago, when he goes to the Jets in two thousand eight, do you think he created a buy-in among everyone that was different than what Aaron Rodgers will do? Well, I don't think he was the same Brett Favre. He had kind of more. He had he had become more of a game manager, and he wasn't he wasn't reckless Brett Favre. Who was you know the guy the guy that actually was the best at that at the very end was John Elway in that Super Bowl against Denver when he he kind of changed the course of that Super Bowl when he when he ran for that first down, I think, on third down in the second half. The helicopter hit. I don't know if you're going to see Aaron uh, do that. <laughs> but, but like you said, the rules are different. I just uh, – he, he he's going to have to – he's going to have to have a, ga- a game plan of his own just for all this stuff uh, not on the field for three hours on Sundays because it's, it's going to be nonstop relentless. Like the, it couldn't be any more different. I think on the East coast than it is where he was. And yeah, in the small, in the smallest market, to do all those things on Pat McAfee's show. That's going to tick off the media. So it's going to get adversarial real quick. Yeah. And if things go South a little bit, I mean, everything's under a microscope. If you're two and oh, you start two and oh, everything's great. But as soon as you're three and two, even four and two, well, why did you lose those two? Everything is going to be questioned. And if he's not available, they will turn on him. So he's got to be available and he's got to acquiesce and he's got to answer the questions or that market will turn on him. And so will the fans, frankly. I mean, the Jets, this owner, Woody Johnson, is known. He's kind of a Trump type of guy. In fact, he's a big Trump donor. He didn't, he didn't, get, he didn't make this purchase. He didn't green light this purchase simply to make a deep run into the playoffs. He wants a Super Bowl, man. He wants a Super Bowl championship. He wants a ring if you're, if you're throwing out this kind of cash. And there are going to be demands made of Aaron Rodgers. That's all I'm saying. That he have not. It's, it's been 18 years of, well, he's Aaron Rodgers and he's our guy, thick or thin, in Green Bay. Ain't going to be that way. Mm-hmm. Who was the favorite guy on the list that you did of 10 – quarterbacks who made that transition who was the 
maybe not the most successful because I Tom Brady obviously is probably near the top of that list. But who was your favorite guy to write about on your list of ten? Well, there were all sorts of stories. I mean, Ken Stabler just basically wanted to to go back to the South, and he wanted to play in the South. And he, he went to Houston, and that didn't quite work out. And he ended up at New Orleans, but he seemed happy just to be playing down there and drinking. <laughs> And doing whatever Ken Stabler did. You know, he was from he was from Muscle Shoals, wasn't he? Right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Down he on was the goal. quarterback on the other side in the infamous uh Franco Harris game. He he put them ahead with a long touchdown run to put him up. I think third it was seven six, and then Franco and Bradshaw. Well, they they had uh, yeah, nineteen eighty. They they were pretty that was a pretty loaded Houston team with bomb coaching. Yeah, right? and his old team. Beat him up in the wild card game. Matt Millen's Raiders beat him up and sent him home. Earl Campbell in his prime, but it didn't matter. You know, they're, the sad ones are Unitas and Joe Namath, which are just, they're, they're, at the, they're at the back end of the list. And anyone who saw uh, Unitas in a Chargers jersey, that just was wrong. And Joe Namath in a Rams jersey wasn't much better. He had just gotten done, done doing the uh, Sherwood Schwartz's Brady Bunch uh, the year before. And he thought he was going to go out there, and he'd done he'd done the movie with Ann Margaret, yeah, uh, a few years before that. So easy Rider, yeah, he's. <laughs> I'm going to see that a couple of times. How about Ann Margaret in that? Oh wow! Wasn't Joe in like a show called The Waverly Wonders or something? It was something. Oh, you know, he was going to go out there and be a movie star. He thought, and yeah, that didn't work out at all. And then there's in between guys like Warren Moon, yeah, uh, and Randall Cunningham, who both. Ended up going to the Vikings, yeah. and you know people forget Gary Anderson, Cunningham, that fifteen and one season, Gary, Anderson. all because of Gary Anderson, man. It's and like his only miss of the whole year. Yeah, it was his only miss of any kick. He yeah, made I was all that game. Nick Horvath sent me out to do something on Dennis Green. I was actually at that game, and I was like, I did not just see that. Yeah, Randall Cunningham was he was retired, and Dennis Green called him up. Uh, he had he had been retired. Uh, Norm Van Brocklin had been retired. Chase uh, looking on the sidelines. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> Talk about a guy, the NFL films guy. He's going, oh, that's no good. That's no good at all. That's no good at all. <laughs> all, the, all those things. Yeah. yeah. Tremendous. Yeah. He was retired. He was going to go back to Oregon and he was in business. You know, those guys didn't make but 20, 25,000 a year, even the stars back then. So he was. To get his business up, I think he had a granite mine or something. You know, it was it was some <laughs> some weird thing, and uh, they uh, they will always be revered by Eagles fans, though. Dave, from nineteen sixty, the Dutchman. I mean, and uh, then he got out. Won won his title and uh, got Ed Norick, Tommy yeah. McDonald, nineteen sixty, and yeah. Tommy McDonald. That's the only time that Vince Lombardi lost the championship game. Yeah, yeah. I think actually we can we can go back to Jimmy Taylor because Chuck Bednarik sat on him after a completion in the middle of the field on like the ten and wouldn't let him up. And time expired. <laughs> they would have blown the whistle these days. Yeah, they would so re re rerun the clock back to three seconds, but not then. No, it just the the, the seconds ticked off and up. Oh, we're out. It's over. All right, Dave. I think uh, I think we've given the Penn State fan base all they wanted. Deny Dennis Sutton. You know, the NFL draft, Jair Brown, uh, Aaron Rodgers, 
Norm Van Brocklin. How much of the draft would you say, how many hours would you say of the draft you're going to watch? Zero. Is it between 50 and 70 or it's, is it under two? It's between zero and zero, somewhere in there. <laughs> between zero and less than zero. That's what I'm going to watch. I don't get it. I don't understand people who I sit know. there. Well, you're a freak. I, I get you, but. I'll Thanks. be watching NBA Thanks playoffs. So. And, yeah. You know, I got gotcha. you. All right. Well, listen, we'll wrap up this uh, podcast. Dave, I might see you next week. You never know. You just never know how it's going to go. We're almost into May. That's exciting. So uh, enjoy the NBA playoffs. And I'll be back with Johnny to talk about the draft next week. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Penn Live.